Hello, I'm Dan Plashkas, CEO and one of the founders of S&P Data, and welcome to another segment of Truth or Share, where everything you always wanted to know but were afraid to ask, and we are going to talk about a topic. I have with me Aaron Gray, Vice President um, of S&P Data, and Aaron has just recently joined us, and the topic today is something that we've had great response on. That's our diversity and inclusion. Just as a background, um, our company... You know, we don't just talk about diversity and inclusion. Um, 80% of our company is a diverse workforce, and we're extremely proud of it. Mm -hmm. There are no glass ceilings, but we're going to talk about glass ceilings, Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about you joining the company. Um, So this morning I was listening on CNBC, by the way, Aaron, and um, a couple things have come to mind. Two things. Recently, the CEO of Wells Fargo was saying that he was having trouble finding enough talent that's um, to fill out his diversity and inclusion quota, hmm. uh, which came under huge controversy. Yeah. And then a guy this morning said, if it's a tie, then I'm going to go for the diversity and inclusion. But when we hired you, it wasn't a tie. <laughs> it was a clear-cut <laughs> victory. Yeah. And, you know, I'd like to think I never made the decision. Women and minorities, minorities in certainly in are more the majority of the people, and women um, are at least 50% of the workforce. So uh, it's not hard to find the right talent, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we've always done that. But anyhow, welcome to S&P Data, and um, I wanted to talk to you. I mean, your background is financial services, mm-hmm. right? Very dominant financial services. I know you've gone a little left and right yeah. from that, but um, tell me about how you've progressed career-wise and if you ever... Number one. Number two is, have you ever felt that there was a glass ceiling? Mm-hmm. Well, sure. I think in the in the beginning, especially working for you know one of the big uh, big five banks, uh, the largest bank in Canada in the beginning, it was uh, you know my I was in a call center environment, so there is always loads of women in the call center environment. So it was easy for me to find representation of um, female leaders in a junior leadership environment because yeah. the call center was predominantly women. But then when, you know, you would look up the ladder, um, it was, I didn't see a lot of, of people that looked like me. It was, the majority of them were men um, as you got into the VP and up. Um, and so in the beginning, it, it did seem daunting. Like, do, can I have a career in customer experience? Do I have to go into human resources? Because that seems to be where, very, you know, where you see Very the, dominant yes. women. Um, but I wanted to stay in customer experience. And then as time was progressing, there was, you know, you did see that glass ceiling start to, to crack. And you did see women moving up uh, within their careers, within the call center environment. Um, and it was it was hard, though. Uh, I remember, you know, being compared, you know, you had customer service call centers and then you had, you know, support desk call centers, right. which were part of the IT department. IT, of course. And they were all you know, predominantly men in those departments and then the customer service is predominantly women. And, you know, the, the IT side were always paid more than the customer service side. And I would argue that and say, why are they paid more than my... Right, they're not customer-facing yeah. usually either. And they say, oh, well, because they have a technical background. I'm like, no, they change passwords. I mean, there's some technical <laughs> requirement, right. but... The level you know, one is certainly basic. Sure. And also I said, you know what, the customer service, the soft skills are incredibly important and very valuable. 
um, and not just easily trained. So, you know, that was, you know, an argument I was would constantly have in my career of, of why I had to, you know, you know, I was hiring people for my team and then my counterpart was usually a male, was hiring new agents for his team right. and he was able to attract better talent because he could pay more. So that was, you know, an argument I always had in, in that, you know, softer skill areas predominantly are, are, you know, have women in them and they usually have lower salaries than compared to tech, you know, teams. Right. So that was something that I noticed early on in my career and again, that is changing because, you know, the, the idea of having empathy um, and, and being able to portray, portray a sense of um, customer experience on the phone was becoming more and more valuable to the company. Again, the smart companies were realizing that is a huge value for the company. And so that's when I, I noticed that, you know, the glass ceiling was starting to crack. And, you know, people in these middle management levels of customer service that were normally women were now being able to move up in their careers. Uh-huh. So it was an exciting time. And do you think that that ceiling has been broken today? I don't know if it's been completely broken. I mean, I think I'm, we're seeing a lot, like when I see, you know, faces that come across the screen of, you know, chief customer officers or a senior vice president, a customer experience that, you know, are, are, are predominantly women. Um, you know, I do, I, I, it's, it's very... You're proud. Yeah, I'm very proud to see it. I'm very heartening to see it. But then there's things that happen where, you know, I was, you know, I, I'm very active on LinkedIn, as you know, and, you know, a year and a half ago, I, I posted something that, um, it was a re- it was a... A screenshot of my sister's tweet that she that actually got went viral on Twitter. So I screenshotted, thinking, well, I don't think it will go viral on on LinkedIn, but it did. I had oh, almost four and a half million views of this LinkedIn post. And what it was, was what did a, it say? Well, it was a a screenshot a picture of um, a termination letter that my mother received when she was pregnant with my sister in 1969. Unbelievable. And it was saying, basically, you're pregnant, you're fired. And so we posted, my sister posted on Twitter and I posted it on LinkedIn. And it was posted to celebrate, to say, hey, my mother kept this letter, you know, pretty much to, you know, say to my sister and I, hey, I hope you don't have to put up with this crap when you, you know, when you're in the world. Wasn't that long ago, right? Wasn't that long ago. And so the response I got was amazing. I mean, it got a lot of likes. I mean, there was like 50,000 likes and it was, it was great response. The majority of the comments were more than, you know, um, supportive, but there was still a lot of comments of stop whining. It was 50 years ago. What's the big deal? You know, why, you know, Matt leave, you know, cripples companies. And, and I was, I can't believe that. I couldn't believe the, the, some of the commentary I was getting. So sometimes I think, you know, I get, you know, that was a sort of a, a moment where I was reading those comments going, wow, I can't believe people still think this way. But then I remind myself that that was a small minority. The vast majority of the comments were, I can't believe that, you know, thank God we've come as far as we've come. Do you know, it's interesting you say that, but can you imagine this COVID-19 in many ways has accelerated a lot of options for not just women or minorities, but for workers, Mm -hmm. right? I remember my sister-in-law worked at Leo Burnett and uh, she had a baby and she went to the very senior executive. She was a senior executive. Mm -hmm. Um, And she basically said, I only want to work three days a week. And they thought about it, and they said, yes. And this was, you know, goodness, her kid must be 26, 27 years old. So this was a long time ago. Yeah. And you think, and I thought it was pretty forward-thinking, mm-hmm. right? But I think now, I met this couple the other, last night, walking our puppy, and they had a puppy. And they got a puppy, and I said, oh, great. How old is puppy? Three months. We figured that because we're going to be working at home for the near future, we mm-hmm. might as well get a dog to go with the kid. <laughs> But it makes yeah. you think, right? Yeah. To think of now, analogize that to your mother, 
who, you know, yeah, there God wasn't forbid technology. she walked around with a pregnant belly. I mean, get out of here. Can you, you know, imagine? <laughs> but to, yeah, anyhow, it's really interesting what's going on. Listen, the there's so many problems with it, with diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. You know, the I mean, we've got the Me Too movement. Yeah. I mean, these are all good things. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of airplay. It really bothers me candidly that companies have to actually deliberately think of how to improve. You know, it's little things, and I think this is where, you know, because people have asked me, you know, how do we improve on um, representative women? And I said, you know, it's it's more than just making sure that you're looking at, you know, your your leadership team and thinking, okay, what are we missing here? What, What opinions are we missing? What insights could we be missing by not having, you know, a person of color or, you know, a certain gender on on the leadership team? But once they're on the team or once they're a member of the team, it's, it's also how you approach it. And I remember, I'll never forget, I was invited to um, a, a session where you know, some, some of the operations leaders were looking at their, their field staff, their field manager staff. And I was invited just to, you know, to understand and appreciate the value of, of reviewing you know, the, the HR process and uh-huh. the company I was working at. And they put up the numbers of this gentleman who was a leader in the field, and he had great numbers, uh, great results, had great employee feedback, um, but he was off on disability at the moment because he had heart surgery. And they said, okay, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to put him on in the quadrant of moving up to the next level? Is he promotable? And they said, absolutely. This guy's, when he comes back from his, he's going to want to get out there and um, really you know, hit the ground running. He's going right. to want to get there. So they put him in the top quadrant. Mm-hmm couple of other conversations later they came to a, a woman leader same tenure as this gen had pretty much similar numbers she had you know great scores great employee engagement and she was on mat leave same thing when she comes back do you want to put her in the top quadrant well maybe not yet because she's probably going to want to focus on her family so let's put her in the to be determined box and that's that's it that's the systemic um you know gender bias that you you don't think you hear with this guy He's like, oh, no, he's going to want to hit the ground running when he comes back. And with the woman, she's like, oh, she's probably not going to want to. She's going to want to focus on her family. And instead of just asking the question, it happens all the time. And it was so subtle, too. must be very frustrating. Yeah. must be very frustrating. Mm -hmm. In my situation, I think I was explaining to you, I came from, my parents were divorced, and my mom raised us for, Mm -hmm. my dad came back in our lives four or five years later. My mom got remarried. My dad, everyone was happy. But for a few years, my mom raised me. So I've always been extremely since she worked and raised kids mm-hmm. wasn't easy right mm-hmm. and I always I've always been very sensitive to you know we had a, a woman that worked with us for years she's now living in Las Vegas and you know she raised a kid while working at S&P Dad and I've always had that view whether it's Brian Cato me mm-hmm. you know we expect you to work very hard but we also even before this at home practice mm-hmm. came up work hard but you can work hard from home too. You, as long as you're in contact. But you got to mm-hmm. also raise a family because they got to see the benefits and the fruits of what you're doing. Yeah. And we've had like Brian's put his kids. I mean, Brian works his ass off. Mm-hmm. Pardon the. You don't have to beep. You don't have to beep that out, guys. Um, but Brian does, and he's also raised two kids. One of them is a AAA. Now he's in the OHL, which is an advanced hockey yeah. league. But AAA hockey means he's playing every day, and he's mm-hmm. worked with his wife, divorced. Mm-hmm. To, to make sure that those kids get to hockey. Yeah. He'll go to hockey, but he'll take my call or he'll do his thing. Yeah, yeah, you it's can really do phenomenal. Absolutely. There's no excuse no. for all, for saying that a woman has a glass ceiling, is no. my point. Yeah, no, you can do both. 
and uh, and it's not just uh, you know being family balanced and work life balance isn't just for women anymore. There's lots of fathers who, who, who want to have that same. too. They want to have the same relationship uh, and the same you know participation in their kids' extracurriculars that the moms have, and, and so and they want to help with homework and they want to do that too. So it's not just uh, you know work life balance isn't you know just for women. It's uh, it's for for everyone. So to wrap up, if you were to put your own feeling, progress has been made? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. There's still ceilings to break? There's always a ceiling to break. <laughs> and you're always going to be I'll, a rebel without I'll a cause? I'll be there with my hammer trying to crack at That's it. That's great. Good. <laughs> Anyways, Aaron Gray, thank you. And again, remember everything you always wanted to know but were afraid to ask. And re- please remember the truth shall set you free. Thank you for joining another episode of Truth and Share. Aaron Gray, thanks a lot. No problem. Thank you.